Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another adventure here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me, um, the the voice to my um, side, I don't know, I'm trying to be all creative and stuff, it's not working, but you know him, uh, the dear commander, Commander Eric. How the heck are you, my dude? Uh, yeah, I don't think you're dear... You, I, I leave me fumbling for words too. <laughs> trying to talk about your fumbling for words. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Yeah, your play on words didn't work, right? No, no. I mean, it did not. You got to study up on your Latin. Um, I have spoken. That's <laughs> Lacutus right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, anyway, well. We have um, a heck of an episode that we're going to have to uh, to talk through and unpack um, on this particular uh, recap episode. Uh, but of course, before we get to that um, and, and talk Trek, let's talk lodge meeting. What's been what's been going on with you, dude? Uh, let me see what happened to me this past week. Uh, it was Easter, right? That's on a Sunday. thing. Yeah, that was a thing. Um, you know, uh, marrying into a Mexican family, so Easter's a big deal, mm-hmm. right? We we're going to take Raquel's mom to church, uh, but it didn't end up happening because of people's work schedule and having to babysit and things like that. But then went to a went to a party, did the Easter did the Easter egg thing, hid the hid the eggs for the kids. Nice, right? It's the first time I ever hiding eggs for kids nice. to go find. Nice, yeah, and apparently. Mexicans do this thing. It's called like cascarones. Never heard of it's it. It's like an Dude, egg. No. It's like an egg, but you smash it on people's heads. Okay. But it's just got like confetti in it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, we've we've done that too, but not as part of our Easter celebration. There was there's a a couple years back. Um, my daughter got some some like of those eggs or whatever, and she like was like whispering very loudly um that she wanted to do that <laughs> to me so she's like daddy i'm like oh no what is it what is it, sweetheart <laughs> like daddy can you can you go outside i'm like yeah let's let's go outside and she had like two she had two of those eggs and it was like pop pop like back to back <laughs> it was great <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, I was like, I don't want someone cracking an egg over my head. That sounds like it would hurt. It might. It might. I have, I have a delicate head. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But confetti won't get stuck in it, though. No. There's nothing to stick get stuck in. <laughs> stick it stuck in. <laughs> There's nothing to get it stuck in. <laughs> look! Look! Oh man. Well, you know, um, <clears throat> you you hid eggs. Um, we do this thing. Um, you know, you're talking about like you know, trying to take your um, your mother-in-law and whatnot to um, to a church service. Our um, our church, we do this thing called a reverse Easter egg hunt. And I can't remember if I told you about this or not, Eric. Um, Doesn't sound familiar. It's genius. Okay, I think this is genius. So. Um, you uh, the way that, that it's done is there's like five or six different colored eggs that you have and then like there's a special golden egg if you find like one of these golden eggs you get like a prize or whatever but that's like there's like two or three of them I think out of like a bajillion so it's like 
red, white, green, black, uh, purple, and yellow, I think is, is what it is. And okay. what happens is instead of like, you know, running out there like gangbusters, like just picking up all the eggs frantically, like is kind of expected with an Easter egg hunt, um, the kids are just instructed get one of each color. Oh, okay. So you get one of each color, you put it in your basket, and then what happens is you take them to this um, tent that's set up in the parking lot, and they tell you like a little story or whatever of like what this egg represents and stuff, and then you get like candy or a toy or some kind of tchotchke or whatever. So the reason I say that to genius is, one, you get like a good message out of it in my opinion, two you're minimizing the amount of cleanup that you're doing for your activity because you're having the kids do it and you're making it fun. <laughs> I mean, that's genius. That is genius right there. So it is anyway, we had, we, we did that. We had a good time. It's called the egg extravaganza, um, oh, okay. at our church. Clever. So yeah, we did that the whole community was invited to it. Um, had like hot dogs and Kona ice and inflatables and music and the Chick-fil-A cow showed up. It was great. Oh, Chick-fil-A cow. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, man. So besides, yeah, besides, uh, Easter being this past week, uh, what else has been going on for you? Yeah, not much. Nope. Yeah. It's just a normal week, you know, work, Mm -hmm. work, more work. Okay. I'm not going to say it was kind of an easy week because I had Monday off, right? Nice. I had a four-day weekend, right? I had Friday and Monday off, okay. right? And then, so it's been an easier week. Okay. That was nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. And you're and you're moving um, kind of closer. Well, not maybe not too close, but school lets out, what is it, um, end of May or is it? Oh, my God. We, we don't get out until after Memorial Day. Hoy. Hoy. Right. When I was teaching in college, we were done like Mother's Day weekend was like that was when graduation was was like the Saturday of Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. And now I'm like, we're like three weeks after that. Yeah. That's like that's a long time. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we're we're wrapping up our spring semester. Um, Mm -hmm. That'll end. Um, I think the semester officially ends the 23rd, which is like a Sunday is like when it like is like on the books, it closes of April. And then like Mm -hmm. commencement is like a few days later, like on the 28th or 9th or something like that. Oh, wow. That's early. Yeah. And then spring or sorry, summer semester starts May 1st, a few few days later. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's fine because, like, one class is seven weeks long, but the other class is 15 weeks long. So it'll be all right, I guess. So that's all I got to say yeah. about that. Um, there's, there, <clears throat> Do I want to? I'm going to do this. Okay, so to this is this is going to be like maybe a more serious thing like it's probably going to like bring things down but like this is really important um so kiddos are like a very vulnerable uh demographic i think we could agree and i think part of our responsibility as adults um whether we are parents or not is looking out for the younger folks 
in general. Um, Eric, I have had to do something twice in about a month that um, I have hoped and prayed I've never I will never have to do again. And that is mm-hmm. call the police because of a child that's left alone in a car that's running. Yeah. Guys and gals, you know, regardless of where you are in the world, whether you're here in the United States, you're in Europe, Australia, I don't care where you are. Pay attention to your surroundings and pay attention to running cars and um, and the little ones. Um, I know like here um, <clears throat> in our hemisphere, you know, we're, go- we're about to move into summer uh, where it's going to start getting warmer, um, especially in the Southern United States, it's going to get really warm. Please keep an eye out for your, for the, for the kiddos, whether they're yours or not. Um, and I, I don't want to um, uh, tell someone how to be a parent, but if you think that, oh, it's only going to take me a few seconds to go get something, a lot can happen in a few seconds. Uh, it might be annoying to have to get the kid out of a, out of the, a booster seat or out of a, um, a car seat just to go get a candy bar from the corner store. Uh, take them out because... Um, anything can happen and um, it's just not safe so um, I I had to do two reports on that and have cops get involved and being a mandated reporter that's kind of part of the job too Um, so I just hate that I I hope you've never had to do that Eric and I hope you never have to do it Um, it's no I've never had to do that but it's just that bugs me like no other yeah yeah so Folks, just keep an eye out, you know, like whether it's, you know, the grocery store, it's at your place of worship, if you're into that, um, or, you know, just wherever you go. Um, if you see a running car, I mean, who knows what's going on? I mean, maybe there's a kid back there, maybe there's not, but just keep an eye out for the little ones. Um, it's part of our job as adults, in my opinion, uh, regardless of our opinion of children. Um, they're a vulnerable population. We should keep an eye out for them. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So now that I've said that, um, we could probably end the lodge meeting a little early. What do you think? Yeah, let's do let's it. Let's do it. Okay, you ready to talk, Trek? I'm ready. Let's. I'm ready for this episode. Oh, I am so ready. So with that, let's talk Trek. All right, everyone. So uh, welcome again to this episode of These of the Voyages. Um, Red alarm. We go into spoilerific territory, and we talk about this episode of Star Trek Picard from Season 3, Episode 9, Vox. Oh, man. Okay, Eric. Eric, there are a few things that I need to say at some point, and I'm going to try and split it up. Um, okay. Because it's, I don't want to, I don't want to front load the thing at all. Um, <laughs> but I, so here's the thing. Uh, this episode, of course, it picks up right where we left off, you know, with Deanna doing like her counseling thing, uh, the mind reading thing, you know, guided imagery type stuff with Jack. And 
um, trying to figure out what's behind that door. And after um, a wee bit of apprehension, even on Deanna's part, getting freaked the heck out, talking to people, Jack wondering what it is that she saw, we get the we get this big old revelation, big old revelation of what's behind this door, and it is red clouds with a giant Borg cube. Holy shnikes! It's, it is it's the, the Borg. Borg. <clears throat> okay, so now I know there's sometimes when like the reveal happens, like oh here's the killer. People are like I knew that all along. Or when, you know, a plot twist happens. You're like, oh, I knew that coming all along. Most of the time, they really didn't. Sometimes, I'll give people some credit, you know, sometimes they figured it out. But most of the time, when people say, knew it all along, had it, had it pegged a long time ago, they really didn't. But, like, we have the receipts, right? We have the receipts. Chase was like, he texted me yesterday, and he was like, so, I'm just thinking, with the name of this episode and... And what Lacutus means? Could we be in for a board connection next tomorrow? Like we have the receipts. Yes, out there. It's yeah, I dated. was going to say that. Like, <laughs> I sent a text to you guys saying that, and, and let me just read it for anyone. And I also posted this on um, our Twitter account as well. So let me just read this real quick. Um, the text was: um, I was thinking about something, especially in light of the Picard body stealing. Vox is Latin for voice. Locutus is Latin for spoken slash the one who speaks. Am I reaching, or do we see a possible Borg return based on the episode title for this week? And that was also copied verbatim and put on the Twitter account. So it was sent in a text to you guys, and it was also tweeted to those that follow us on Twitter. And that that was, yeah. And, and I got, I gotta say, like... <clears throat> I've been thinking about it, and I responded, I've been thinking about a board connection as well, right, all season, because I feel like they've mentioned it too much, right? We made it, we made a big deal about when Captain Shaw sat down with Picard and he had his his PTSD moment or his survivor's guilt, I don't, which is the better term, they're probably survivor's guilt, um, about, you know, living through Wolf 359 when all of his other friends and 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 colleagues didn't and he said forget about that stuff over there on the stargazer the real Borg are still out there and then also like in the opening scene of episode one we hear like the Picard's captain's log from best of both worlds part one like before we even see you know doc you know Beverly right we're going through the hallways of her ship and it's playing her captain's log we're like well, that's a little strange why they're playing that, but like, it. I mean, they were trying to tell us all along that this was mm. where it was going. Hmm. Yeah, I. Maybe maybe Terry Metalis and company did a good job of like misdirecting at least me, because I really hadn't even been thinking about the Borg, but maybe like the last, you know, couple weeks, like really. Um, it really started like really creeping into my mind whenever you know we rescued data from data before data lore whatever uh, from Daystrom, you know, and there's the review like what do you, what'd they steal Jean Luc Picard, and that's where I was thinking like nanoprobes. Um, so I mean that's been like what three four episodes ago, give or take. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. 
close to half a season, third of a season that I've been been kind of thinking mm-hmm. that. But yeah, yeah, the Borg are in play. Um, the the Borg are apparently in league with uh, changelings. Okay, yeah, and I mean, this is something that I did. I want to save this for like our retrospective when we wrap up the season and wrap up the series. But I just got, I got, I got to get it out. out. I got to get it out of me right now. Does it, does it bother you at all that all three seasons of Star Trek Picard have involved the Borg, right, in some way? Have like featured a storyline where the Borg are important to that story. I was thinking about right? that. Season one, we had we had the XB storyline and, you know, that's where Soji was and we had to rescue her from there. And season two, we had the Borg Queen and we had to send her way to go, bring her back in time and Agnes got assimilated and we had a new Borg collective, right? And now here, the Borg were the, the secret partners of the Changelings all along. Like, I get that, like, Locutus and being assimilated by the Borg is the defining moment of Picard's life. And he's something that he's not, he's had to deal with forever. And, you know, he had his moment where he had to re-encounter them in first contact. And it's something that's, that's been with him. That's the defining moment of his life. And this is a show about Jean-Luc Picard. But does it, does it bother you at all that we keep going back to that Borg well? Like that we keep having to tell stories about the Borg because it it bothers me a little bit like can we not be like a little more creative and come up with new sure, ideas sure. yeah I that was something that um, when, when the reveal happened in this episode um, in earnest uh, um, I did notice that by the way um, you know that we've done like XBs we've done Jurati Borg Queen thing and now this um I don't know if it if it bothers me um I think I'm currently I'm I'm waiting to see what happens in the finale but currently I'm okay with it because it hasn't been um too um too much in your face like the prior two seasons were. Season one, I mean, the XBs, they were victims. Like I, I kind of enjoyed like that that perspective and like coming to terms with it and creating like a new um, identity, more or less, like through the eyes of Hugh and, and all that Borg Cube reclamation project stuff. Um, the season two thing with Jurati and the Borg Queen just annoyed the crap out of me. Like it should have just been called land exploration, like not that Star Trek thing, because like it was just like I feel like they were just throwing darts at a board and seeing like what was going to happen. Um, but this, it's it's been subtle. Again, it, it hasn't been like too it, to me. It hasn't been too in your face. There might have been like some breadcrumbs that other people picked up on, um, but. If they stick the landing, I think I'm going to still be okay with it. But that's where I'm at right now. I'll have to revisit that again when we do like a retrospective on the season and even the series as a whole. It was just something that I had yeah. to get out of me. Like, like oh, we're here. We're mm-hmm. doing the board again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. So that's one thing that um, I have receipts on. Mm-hmm. 
um, there will be another receipt okay. that um, that we talk about later on this episode. And you probably know what receipt that is, Eric. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Okay. So. <clears throat> All right. So, top of the episode, again, we just did the thing. And, um, you know, Picard's, like, kind of beating himself up. You know, that he passed on nanoprobes or something. His Borgness basically to him and he wants to go have a, a, a one-on-one chat with him and try and make things right and Deanna's like oh, hold that thought bro um, he's kind of a weapon now we can't just let things be he's a danger to everyone and that's the right decision that's I mean that's the right decision 100%, 100%. the right decision um, I mean, we've been getting to know Jack, so, I mean, of course, we're like, ugh, don't like this, but it makes sense. Uh, but e- even mm. in the end, I mean, Picard is, like, racked. And I think there's, like, this beautiful moment that's happening. Like, you see, like, the weight of all this and just the emotion behind it. And, you know, this 100-plus-year-old man... Um, feeling this for his son that he just discovered a couple days ago and then you see this moment where Data's like I don't know what to say man but he just puts his hand on Picard's shoulder and I'm like that's that's perfect right there that, that's good stuff right there yeah it was good um, and they, he goes to have a, a chat with him and he, he explains it to him he's not trying to sugarcoat it like hey this is what happened with you know, this is, you know, I, somehow I passed something on to you, right, from the Borg, and, and they're part of this, and, you know, you got to take this serious because yeah. she's out there, right? She's she is out, out there. there. And uh, um, he tries to leave, and um, huh, some, some guys in some gold uniforms are there um, to not let him pass. You shall not pass type stuff um, and he's like you know what I think I will pass red eye mode here we go and yeah and, and so like this this part like Jack's like hey I'm not the Borg I'm I'm I, he's he, I, oh, he doesn't say I'm better than the Borg but like I mean that's kind of where I'm at in his in his head like he's better than the Borg he's not gonna fall into the trap of this but he does not hesitate to impose his will on these these individuals for them to mm-hmm. do his bidding, mm-hmm. right? So, like, it it reminded me of that that Voyager episode where Chakotay finds he crash lands on some planet and it's people who have been disconnected from the Borg, right? But they found their own little collective, right? right? And they he they use the power of the collective to heal Chakotay. But then, like, he says, I'm not going to help you do something else. But then they take control of him and, and force him to do what they want. And, and he and Janeway have this little heart-to-heart at the end of that episode. And he's like, well, you know, they haven't acted like traditional Borg. And Chicote's like, they did not hesitate to impose their will on me when, it's, when it fit their needs. Right? And then, and then uh, Chicote says... 
I wonder how long their ideals will last in the face of that kind of power, which was really powerful line and really powerful episode. We thought about that. And I just kept thinking about this. I know Jack is going to like visit the Borg, right? And presumably he's going to, he's going to survive and get out of there and do something. We'll see. Maybe he doesn't survive, right? Maybe he, he sacrifices himself, does the Ezra Bridger and sacrifices himself. Anyway. Um, (laughs) um, Mm. (laughs) but like but like is he going to hesitate to impose his will on people to get to do what he wants like does that make him any better than the Borg yeah so yeah he he gets out of there with you know the golds in tow and then Mama Bev uh, meets up, and this this I don't get. This is one thing I don't get. Like, I get that he's hurt. I I understand that, but like, just turning it, turning those guards on his mom, just like that, um, just kind of weird to me. It doesn't take away from yeah. the episode for me, but it's just kind of a weird choice, I think. Um, and anyway, he um, finds a, a little shuttlecraft and, you know, zips out there. Yeah. Let, let's follow this story, if we will, because we'll just, let's just finish short. it up. Like, it's kind of short, so let's follow this. He goes in the shuttle, and he's being pulled to some location, I guess. And he goes through like a transwarp yeah. conduit, and he comes face to face with the Borg. Like, it's more than just a cube. It looks like it's like a Borg mm-hmm. unit complex or something. And he goes on board, and he starts hearing the voices. And we've been hearing the voices for a while, right? It just little bits of them in his little, what you call his right. upside down, right? And we've been hearing the voices, but when he got onto this cube. This voice became Boy, very it. distinct, and I was like, uh-huh. "Is that today? Because I, I mean, I did not. It, I was instantly recognizable as Alice Krieg. I, I don't know Krieg. You say like Kriegy. I don't know how you pronounce it. Alice, right? I just say Krieg. It's Alice, right? You know, right? And I was like, "That's her. That's totally. No. We didn't see her face, but it's totally. It was totally her voice." And then in the credits, it said. Alice Krieg as the board, voice of the board queen. But, like, I don't know if they, like, modulated or did some tuning to the voice or if they, it was a different different actress doing the voice before. But but whatever, they did a good job of hiding well, here, that Well, here's the thing. Right? Uh, they, they did, like, a little bit of, like, you know, misdirect, like, throughout the season because it it sounds very much like Beverly throughout like most of the whole se- most of the season at times it does sound a little bit like Vatic um, but even like with with the uh, uh, subtitles on it still says Beverly it was sent oh. so like throughout the whole season it says Beverly with like that voice never once says Borg Queen or whatever else Unknown voice or female it's voice always or Beverly. something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. It became very distinctive, though, when we got on to the, yeah, to the board Yeah, that's not all it's going to be distinctive. Board. It's some biological and technological distinctiveness, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he walks up, and he I guess he tries to shoot, but he can't. No, and then he just, like, willingly and, uh, he... allows himself to be assimilated or something. Something. Get right. hooked up. We're going to do a thing. So yeah, uh, we don't see the the Alice Creek um, Borg Queen like we we've seen in the past. Uh, we just see like the mm-hmm. silhouette and like all the the cords yeah. and wires mm. and stuff. Yeah, and we we don't see it from the front because like they filmed season two they and did. three at the same yeah. time, didn't they? So like we had Annie Wershing, R.I.P. Yeah. Annie Wershing, right? I don't know if they were didn't want to use her because people would would recognize it as being different. I, I don't know. Possible. But we they just, we just saw it from yeah. the back. Yeah. But I thought it was kind of cool getting getting the voice. Get the, the voice. voice. I wonder if we're gonna see her next episode. Maybe. Maybe. And and what does she what did, like she called him a few names. She she didn't. She said not Lacutus, and she said something else in Latin. I don't know if you caught it. Um, before she called him Box. I, I mean, I heard it, but I didn't catch. I didn't write him down. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you knew Latin enough, uh, like enough Latin to like be able to recognize some of the big no. words. I'm a counselor, not a linguist. But she calls him something. <laughs> I know, but I don't know if you you knew what Lucutus meant. Like I, you knew what Vox meant. I had to look up what Vox. I meant. just got curious. I get curious about things. I have this curiosity and this wonder, okay. which takes me down. These rabbit trails, these, and I have squirrel moments, and they, fifty percent of the time, they they turn out to be somewhat productive. <laughs> okay, all right. What so? Next? We um, uh, we're back. Um, we're trying to figure out. We're trying to track the dude. We're trying to to find where Jack went. Um, so that's where we're back, back at like on the Titan. Um, trying to figure out where he went and um, looking more into this brain stuff, right? And um, <clears throat> along the way, uh, we we do finally meet up with um, Jordy, if I'm tracking right. We meet up with Jordy and company, and um, he's got on the screen um, some, like, DNA-esque stuff and what we're finding out at this point and correct me if I'm wrong Eric I'm trying to make sure I'm tracking right but this is the part where we're learning that oh by the way there's something in there that's kind of special and it's not what we think it is Um, that this is like something special that's not your emotic syndrome basically um, that there's that what we originally thought was Eremotic Syndrome was actually um, leftovers from uh, being a Borg it's some kind of like implanted Borg seed that is essentially or was essentially um, undetectable by um, medical technology of the time period. Um, so that's why we've been thinking for the last 30 some odd years, 20 some odd years, that 
um, our dear Captain Jean-Luc Picard, now Admiral Picard, um, had Eremotic Syndrome, when in fact, by the way, he didn't. What do we what do we think of that? What do we think of like I mean, Eremotic syndrome has been around since um all good things, right? That's the fir- to my understanding that's the first time I, I remember hearing about it. Um Yeah. And then of course, it's the thing that kind of gets things going for the most part in Picard season 1. And then we see it kind of mm-hmm. Although they, although they're not, they didn't they call didn't. it that, right? I don't know why they didn't use the word. Like, I don't know if they couldn't get the money to pay to use the sure. word or something. <laughs> it was like they just called it a brain and all. But what do we think of that? I mean, like the implications of, hey, this is what's going to happen. It's going to like probably kill you, but you can still have like plenty of decades ahead of you. To um, that being allegedly the thing that killed him at the end of season one and led to him getting uploaded into a, a golem body. Uh, I'm okay with it. Like it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Um I think they come up with a good explanation. It's like it's some sort of organic transmitter um or organic receiver and that's like why he could still hear the Borg voices right in Star Trek first contact they'd ever write. Well, how can he hear them talk? Right, if he's been completely disconnected, and it's because he's still got some kind of receiver thing inside of him. Um, I, I'm okay with it. Them, I, if you want to call it a retcon, I don't know if it's a retcon or not, but it's changing the story. I think there's been a fair amount of retconning that's been taking place. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I don't know if you want to call it that or not. Um, does it bother you? Mm, maybe. Maybe. Um, maybe. J- just because of... I'm not mad that we have season three and, like, what we've been getting season three, but it's just how... Qu- like, we, we spoke, like, almost day one about Picard and, like, this whole thing should just end with him dying from this thing. Like, that, sh- that should be it. And then, boom, end of the season, they do it. Instead of end of the series. Yeah. So, like, that kind of bothers me that, um, in a way, I don't know, I, 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 I'm still reconciling Wait. it. Wait, do you, do you think he's going to die? Because you said him dying, end of series? I was Well, what I was saying is, what I'm getting at was when we first had our conversations in season one. Right. We said, are you okay with this show ending with him I, dying? And we both, we both said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, do I think he's going to die here? No. 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 If he does. Okay. Mm. I mean, it'll, it'll probably be all right. I think, I think this season has, done a good job and I think it'll be it could be a good send-off for Picard in terms of like um, can I say restoring a legacy Did I don't to be know, restored? I'm just here saying words trying to sound good okay <laughs> um, I don't want to get stuck but that's kind of where I'm at um, so anyway so there's this transmitter piece and there's um, 
yeah, it's like this, like very, uh, almost like virtually undetectable. Like, like we were saying, like this little seed, this transmitter thing that Jack and Picard have that was originally thought to be neurotic syndrome. More on that later. Um, so now we just got to figure out what do we do with this? Like, what do what do we do with this information now? Because, um, um, oh, by the way, um, Frontier Day is here, gang. Yeah. Uh, Captain Shaw, we have to head to the solar system immediately. Um, are you sure about that? <laughs> it's like, it's our only choice. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. You know, he's kind of been growing on me this season. Yeah, from where he started yeah. to where he ends up yeah. this episode. I mean, like, it's been, he's been growing on me like a fungus, but, I mean, he's still been growing on me. It, growth <laughs> is growth, okay? Don't talk about don't talk about fungus growing on you. You might have to, like, we might Ooh. have to put you down. Right there was that other show, right, where fungus grew on people. Ooh. That's not... Do you, did you watch that uh, show? It's not sounding familiar. The Last of Us? Oh, I played the game. Oh, the yeah, fungus yeah. song. Well, I haven't watched the show, but I've played the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Um, oh, okay, so let's go do the thing. Let's let's head over. You want to talk about Frontier Day? You want you want, you want to talk about what we want, see here want, at Frontier want, Day? Let's talk about it. So we get there. I mean, is this is this the thing you were waiting for? Um, almost the thing. Okay. It's almost okay. the thing. It's getting close to the thing that I have receipts on. Okay. Um. I, I, I have multiple receipts on, on things. Um, <clears throat> so we get there, or we're, we're on the way, and uh, we see this glorious space dock with tons of ships in all their glory, right? Um, and we see the docking bay open, and we get this very inspirational message about 250 years ago, Jonathan Archer did some stuff that led to today's molten stuff. I don't know why I'm talking like that, but it works. <laughs> and uh, we get this beautiful, beautiful Enterprise F coming out, having that hero shot and everything with fireworks and, and whatnot, and man, is that a good-looking ship. And I'm very sad that we didn't get to know her. Um, but the person narrating this, my dude, it's, is it Commander Shelby? <laughs> no. No. It's freaking 5-Pip Admiral Shelby. What's up? Yeah, I, as far as I know, Picard is only That's a 4-Pip right. Admiral. <laughs> So did she take over for, um, uh, oh my God. Yeah, Clancy. Clancy. Kirsten Clancy. Did she? Because, like, I'm pretty sure, like, there's only one five-pip admiral in all of Starfleet, and that was Clancy. I mean, it's a CNC that has to be the highest-ranking officer, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, here she is. Elizabeth Shelby. Back mm -hmm. on our screens. Played by... Uh, Drawing a blank on her name, Dennehy, Elizabeth Dennehy, right? 
Is it, it is. is it Elizabeth? I, that's what that's what it, I thought it was. I didn't want to say Pretty it sure wrong. It is. I should have looked it up. Before We're experts, so man. Right. We don't need to look it up. Are you kidding me? We're pros at this. I know, but sometimes you just gotta check. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta check. Yes, Elizabeth yeah. Dennehy. She's back on our mm-hmm. screens, right? 30, 30 years later, thirty mm-hmm. plus years later. Here she is. How do you feel about Shelby? Because Shelby was a character that came in with a lot of Boy, piss and vinegar, she. right? Boy, did she! A lot of like, sh- you're <laughs> in like, my hey, way. Get out of my, get out of my way, because I'm coming through you. And like, a lot of people, Shelby rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, right? Because you know, how dare you That's disrespect right. Will? Ryan Remember that. Like that, right? But I mean, I've seen also a lot of people say. Well, Riker treated her terrible, and it was Riker that was the one in the wrong in that episode. Like, I mean, however way you want to see it, right? I think there were a lot of people. I think Shelby was meant to be a character you weren't mm-hmm. supposed to like, right? But I feel like over the years, I feel like people have been clamoring for more Shelby. Like, are we going to get Commander Shelby? Are we going to get Shelby? Right? I know that she's in some. There's some books about her, right? But nothing like, nothing on screen. Nothing that's like canon mm-hmm. right if some such a thing as canon even exists yeah 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 but, she's you know, here. here she is and um <clears throat> yeah she's uh she's talking about um how cool it is that we have this um option to do a uh, fleet formation mode uh where we can just like think um, as one basically more on that later and uh, um, <laughs> and it's just a that's just a dumb idea man that's just that's just so dumb that yeah that's just dumb what well, isn't isn't the idea like if one crew is incapacitated you don't lose that ship's ability because it's in fleet sure. mode and you can still use that ship to help out with something. Yeah, sure. <sighs> but, but in comes Will Riker with like the greatest quote of this episode as far as I'm concerned. What does he say? <laughs> leave it to leave it to Shelby to come up with an idea so Borg. <laughs> Our resident Borg expert. Right? Do anything to stop the Borg. Here she, her great idea is so mm-hmm. Borg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and I don't know, like a couple episodes ago we got Picard, you know, coming face to face with Ro Laren and he got to like air his grievances with her. And I feel like this has been something that's I don't know how many encounters Will Riker and 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 Elizabeth Shelby have had in the past, right? But I feel like he's been holding the, in a little bit of like, yeah, in, in a little bit of this, yeah, I mean, right? Oh, leave I it think um, we've talked about this at one point, um, but Shelby, I remember Shelby not just being in Best of Both Worlds, which is where we know her from, of course, but also in um, Insurrection. Like she was um, part of the duck blind mission. Yeah, I know, I know you said that before. I looked it up, and like it was, she wasn't it, the the cast of the credits did not list like 
Shelby being there. Maybe it was uncredited. I don't know. But like you look, mm-hmm. um, like go back, go back and watch Insurrection. Like when the, when you know Data phasers the duck blind. Um, she's like, I think one of the ones that like stands up and is like, you know, Commander Data, stand down, or something like that. Whatever, whatever that specific line is. But like, I'm not just saying it because it was a blonde um, Starfleet female officer. I mean, it distinctively looks like Commander Shelby. Mm-hmm. So we're in, we're in formation mode, um, showing off how cool it is that we can do things in formation mode. And, um, I feel like there's like a, 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 like a transporter part that we need to talk about that. I think we're, we're finding out about, or we did find out about, um, you know, when we, when we, did find out about this like special DNA. Um, we 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 have this genius idea. Hey, computer, cross-reference this stuff with um, like transporter records and logs and stuff like that. And um, what do you know? It's in the transporter. I got receipts for that, dude. I've talked about that on this, in this season. What when we, mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Uh, it was either like, I think end of no win, no uh, imposter, right? Imposter was the Rolaren episode, right? Okay. Yeah. So whenever Jack uh, was like staring at the transporter and like the vines and stuff, I remember saying, if not that episode discussion, it was like a subsequent one. Um, where I was like, hey, remember how we use the transporter to filter out the bad stuff? What if we could use the transporter to put in bad stuff? And mm-hmm. that's what we did. We've we had the changelings, you know, infiltrate so that they could um, basically put this Borg DNA thing um, in the transporter architecture. Is what is what they're calling it. This architecture is what a normal human looks like. Basically, was like how I kind of interpreted that. Um, mm-hmm. So now people's DNA, um, as we're fi- as we also find out, um, they're only impacted if they are twenty four years of age or younger. So there might be stuff that's kind of there, it's maybe latent or whatever within all of Starfleet, but it's only going to be present and really manifesting with 24-year-olds and younger. And that, like, that just, to me, that makes the Borg that much more evil uh, to me. Um, like, targeting kids... Like, I mean, I, I know, like, these are, like, 24-year-olds, yeah. like, 20-somethings that are going to be, like, you know, your junior officers. But let's just think about this for a second, dude. Like, if we had a galaxy-class type starship, right, where we have families that are zipping around the cosmos, you know, going from port to port or whatever, they're using transporter systems. So that means that those families ha- are going to 
like have their kids turn into to Borg and turn against their families like that. I know that's not yeah. on screen, but like that's ultimately what we're getting at, right? Like that's like that's the end game yes. with what the Borg were doing, right? Mm-hmm. Again, like I said at the top at my little PSA thing, children are very vulnerable. We need to watch them and protect them. And um, I like the fact that we're talking about like a developmental process being the thing that is what determines safe versus unsafe in this episode. I really like that. There is truth to um, the brain and its development um, up to 24, 25 years of age. So I really like that. Uh, more on that later. Yeah, it also it also answers yeah. another question. Like when we first learned that there was a changeling on board the Titan, I think back mm-hmm. in episode three, we were like, well, why was this changeling on board our ship? Because he, he was on there before Picard and Riker ever came on. So like, why was he here? And we've been learning over the course of this this season that well, the changeling was there because there's this conspiracy going out there, but. Think about who this changeling was impersonating. It was the trans a transporter right. operator, right? And so that makes sense now why he was impersonating that particular person, right? Because he had to get all of this stuff into the transporter, right? And so that's good building when, when we want to rewatch that will right. stick out even more. And I can't help but, like, I, I chuckled a little bit, um, like my 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 Trekkie self was like just chuckling a little bit at how the NX01 crew would have responded to this because you know how averse they were to using <laughs> the transporters. I can just hear like Archer and Reed and them just saying, "See, I told you so. I told you so." And Hoshi be like, "Don't get me right. near that thing." <laughs> oh man, oh man. So, um. This beacon, this, you know, we've, we've pressed the go button, basically, and uh, we have activated the latent Borg gene that has been um, written into humanity now. Into anyone, anyone that's going through the transporter. Mm-hmm. And um, we see the LaForge kids turn. We see... Um, um, Ensign, um, was it um, Esmar? Um, turn. We see, um, we just, we start seeing like all these folks just turning left, right, and center. And Jordy is like, I gotta go get my daughter. I, go, I mean, that is a natural father's response. Like, 100%. I gotta go save my mm-hmm. kids. There's nothing you can do, homie. Like, we will cut, we will do something, but we have to focus right now. And that would kill me. Okay, yeah, and so so here's my here's my question, right? The the Borg are starting to they're starting yeah. to take over the ship. We got to run. We're getting off the bridge, and Captain Shaw picks up his weapon. and He says, "Stun only," right? This is his crew, right? He doesn't want you know his crew to die, right? He still has that captain inside him. Like I gotta protect him, so he says, "Stun only." Now these people were not assimilated in the normal way we think Correct. of assimilation, right? I mean, we don't see, we don't, we see them turn they get greenish veiny. and, and yeah, veiny, but we don't see anything pop out of their skin, right? Like mm-hmm. we've seen before. 
And so these people, they're not, they're, it's not the normal type of a simulation. I don't know. Do they have actual nanoprobes in them or is it just organic assimilation? Like, I, I'm, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I don't know if we have the answer. But we have seen in the past Picard say, if you see crew members who have been assimilated, show them no mercy, right? And there's that one scene where he's there's that crew member lying on the ground. And he's like, Captain, help me. And he just mm-hmm. phasers him. And then later in the holodeck, he just goes to town with his machine gun. And Lily's like, you are enjoying that, right? Leading to a powerful. So, like, are we going to feel the same way here? Or has Picard changed and think, oh, this is a different type of assimilation, right? Are we going to show these people mercy and stun them and not just try to kill them outright? Are we going to be able to Mm -hmm. save them, right? And I know because Picard, he went, I'm thinking... Go back to that moment in season one where Hugh is showing Picard around the Borg cube and he's saying, you're seeing what what the work you're doing, Hugh, is showing what the Borg really are underneath all of this. And they're victims, right? They're the Borg. The Borg collective is evil, pure evil. But the Borg drones, they're just victims. So has like this changed Picard's thinking about how he's going to want to deal with these assimilated people specifically is that going to change how he feels about like Jordy's two daughters right are we going to be able to save these people or are they are they lost forever it's a good question and how are we going to to treat them right it's just we just have one episode to deal with this right so i'm like man we got to do a lot in this next episode Mm -hmm. to try either kill these people or unassimilate them so we're we're running trying to figure out like how to save our our tails and um we're we're in the the turbo lift and stuff and um just trying to figure out how the heck can we you know you know reclaim the ship or get the heck out of dodge or something and um shaw has this idea like hey chicago mode here we go let's go this like random maintenance shaft area and um it's it's there's no one down there it's unmonitored it'd be great let's go there and uh was it picard like gets on comms is like i don't care what you got to do get to this place uh pdq next scene we're there and we're thinking what do we do how do we get out of here and jordy's like you know like i got an idea and while that's happening, we have, like, more Titan folks, like, Titan 20-somethings that are just shoosting at them. And we're just trying to get cover and cover Jordy while he's doing the thing and try and get into the shuttlecraft and, you know, figure out where to go next. Because we have to um, get away from the ship that's now being controlled by the Borg Collective, basically. Uh, we have Borgified Starfleet is what we've done. Mission accomplished, Borg. You did it. A plus. Um, and um, you know, one by one, we get in there, and there, there's this this great line um, that that Data says. Um, and Jordy's like, you know, like they're talking about, like, you know, I hope there's enough juice to get get us where we need to go. And um, you know, Data says something, and Jordy's like, you know, could you be a little bit more positive? I hope we die quickly. 
<laughs> no, no, not funny. Yeah, no, it was it was funny. I I laughed. I laughed. That was good. good. At that. that was good. <laughs> but you know, in this moment, it's something that like you even like just basically glossed over it, and it's something I think is lost in this episode because I think there's a little bit too much going on in this episode, right? And I'll will save that for when we get to when we wrap up, but like. We're in this firefight trying to protect, you know, cover while we're trying to get into the shuttle. And Shaw, Captain Shaw, I, takes I was a shot. I was about to get to that. I I wasn't glossing over it. Okay, no, it felt like you were just glossing over it because no. we're getting into the shuttle. Because this that this moment almost feels like an afterthought in this episode because so many other things are happening. But you know, he he dies, you know, for his ship, and he transfers command to. Commander Seven, right? Commander Seven of Nine. He finally acknowledges her the way that she wants to be, and like this is the you said he he grew on you, right? Like it might have been like a fungus, but he grew on you from where yeah. he was, from where you said he showed this disrespect, right? And you were meant not to like him, to now appear him, you know, dying in this yeah. heroic moment. Yeah. And I mean, whether Seven remains captain or not like as of right now she's our captain of the titan and rafi is with her and they're going to do what they can to um take care of the ship you know um so it was it was a good moment um i thought it was a really good um um character trajectory character development for shaw this season um, you know, like where we saw him first, you know, like eating a steak dinner and just basically giving the, the bird to Picard and Riker to, you know, being more smooth around the edges, you know, than anything else. Okay, we are in the final seven minutes. Yes, I, I, I watched the timer on this of the episode, and there's a lot that happens, I think... There's a lot of stuff that's happening in these last seven minutes. Yeah. First of all, we get the, we get Shelby yeah. biting the dust. So Riker's right. not going to have to have, sure have his people, um, his meeting. I'm sure a lot of people went <clears throat> when that happened, <laughs> right? Because I I know. But I, that's not what no. you were talking about. She's gone. Um, meanwhile, the fleet is doing. I was like straining, trying to figure out what those shapes were. Is it trying to spell something, or is it trying to be a shape? Yeah, like, I was looking what are at you that doing? too. Like, I mean, I was like even like sticking my phone up at one point. Like, is this a QR code? Like, what's what's going on? Um, I have no idea. I have no idea what that shape was. I mean, it looked like missing no from Pokemon or something, but that's about it. Um, if there's someone out there that knows what the dang thing is, like, I would love to know. Um, or if it was just a creative choice in the animation, then cool, good for you. Um, but yeah, they're they're doing their thing, they're in formation, and um, Jordy is like, "Let's get the heck out of here!" And he, you know, takes the the shuttle, and we zip out of there, and no one follows us, which I thought was kind of odd that no one followed. But it's fine; we're in formation mode, so that makes sense. And uh, we we get back to Eighth and Prime, right? Back to the ship museum, the fleet museum. Uh, what are we doing here? We need an old ship. We need analog. Something that's not connected. 
to everything else. And, um, well, will this, I mean, you really want to get one of these old things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was waiting to, I was waiting, you know, for a little surprise, like for the right time, but I guess there's no time like the present, right, Eric? That's right. So, uh, we, we go down to the LaForge garage and, uh, in, in Docking Bay 12. And, um, it's still, it's all dark, man. It's like, it's all dark. And, uh, we, we, you know, start to approach and goosebumps. Just straight up goosebumps. We see with no lights on, with very, very minimal spotlightage, the NCC 1701D. We see the 1701D there. It's been restored. It's been Jordy's restoration project for 20 some odd years. Yeah, but it's only this. I was thinking like, wait, part of the half of this ship blew up literally in a warp core explosion, right? Warp core breach. And I was like, are they just going to not mention that half of this ship blew up? But no, they did. They did. Jordy was like, they were like, how did this get here? Well, thank the Prime Directive for the saucer section being here because we had to recover it from Viridian 3 because we didn't want to corrupt the people of Viridian 4 going out there and finding this broken Mm -hmm. spaceship. So we had to retrieve it all. I was like, okay, that's good and all. But what about the part that blew up? I was like, oh, that's from a different ship. That's from the USS Syracuse, right? I cobbled the nacelles and the war and all that stuff together from a different show. So, okay. I'm, I'm good that you at least that. Yeah. explained that. Yeah. Right. Cause like, are they just going to like gloss mm-hmm. over that mm-hmm. fact? And, um, I think one thing that I, I forgot, I neglected to mention is that as they're approaching and like looking at all this stuff, they're like, yeah, we got to use this because, um, well, we can't use the E, and everyone looks at at Worf. He's like, "It's not. It wasn't my fault." Um, so, in the um, Starship Picard first book, Last Best Hope, um, when Picard leaves the Enterprise to run the the rescue mission, um, he basically makes a case for Worf to become the captain of the Enterprise. So. Um, and they do bring up the whole the fact that like, hey, do you not remember what happened in Deep Space Nine and how he chose his wife over the mission? Yeah, but wouldn't it be like a great message, you know, to send like like one of our greatest enemies is now captain of the flag of the flagship of Starfleet? And like, there's more to it than that. But like, ultimately, it wins over, and that's how Worf becomes captain of the Enterprise E. Okay, yeah, so, like, Worf is, is a captain, right? Because I think we saw in the, like, the the lead-up to this show happening, we saw him with the four pips. And he's still wearing them. Right? Yeah. Okay, but he's also wearing a yellow mm-hmm. uniform, which he was wearing a red uniform from D Space was, Nine yeah. onward. He was wearing a red uniform in, in Star Trek Nemesis, right? And now he's got promoted to captain but he's back in a yellow uniform i'm not sure i don't know if i've ever seen a captain in a yellow i know we've seen um some kind of admiral 
in a gold uniform. It was a gold admiral's uniform in... Was that Deep Space Nine? I don't remember that. I want to say it was Deep Space Nine. Okay. But, anyway. Maybe it was because... Maybe the gold uniform here is because of... Um, you know, uh, being part of Starfleet intelligence and like he's doing some kind of operations type of role. I don't know. I don't know. But back to docking bay 12 and looking at this glorious, glorious ship. Um, seeing this thing in high definition, I was like, oh my gosh, you're, you're so beautiful. Like this is, this is a gorgeous, gorgeous ship. No one wants the fat I do. Ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From episode yeah. one in the bar, <laughs> she told Riker, no one wants the fat ones. I do. Can I have like three? <laughs> I want one. I want one. Um, so then we, uh, we go on board and dude, like seeing the silhouette of the door to the turbo lift and then just you know activating the lights and seeing the everything turn on i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my god i can't handle this right now i cannot handle this right now what was that like for you seeing things turn on and seeing the the you know enterprise bridge again i mean when they come out onto that bridge first of all i was just glad they turned on the right. lights <laughs> like i said earlier on the titan turn up the Dang lights! No one, you're gonna hurt your eyes. I can't. I don't know, Captain. I can't. I can't see my console in front of me. I don't know <laughs> what it's telling me. <laughs> so they turned off the lights. No, but it was a. It was a pretty, pretty awesome moment. And you see them all get on there, and they're looking around, and they're like, "Yeah, this, this mm -hmm. is it, right? This is I, it." I was thinking about. Um, the fact that when I w went to Las Vegas like a few times and went to Star Trek The Experience, you know, part of one of the rides that you go on, um, it's called, um, it was called Klingon Encounter, I believe is what it was called. And part of the ride is you get beamed aboard the Enterprise D and like you have to like go around different things. So like you end up in like the transporter room on the Enterprise D. You walk down a corridor and then you ultimately end up on the bridge of the Enterprise D and I just went back to that and then of course like all the viewings I've had of next gen and I'm like I I was just thinking like I've been there like I've been on that bridge basically um, I realize it's not the same one but like I've been there I've been on that bridge and like I was just like freaking the heck out and um, I was wait I was like trying to pause whenever we go over to like the plaque I was like I wonder if they're gonna like let it like be close enough to where we can actually see like you know um, Gene Roddenberry and Rick Berman and like their names on the plaque like we know that it is uh, for all, all the developers and whatnot but they didn't you can't make it out <sighs> and the thing that Picard of course missed the most after all this time the carpet the carpet um the next the next thing that like kind of sent me over the edge eric 
Um, I don't know if you have this reaction or not, but whenever he was like, computer, activate, uh, was it activate startup or something like that? And um, the thing that you hear is uh, Majel Barrett as the computer voice. Yeah, no, that was, that was, I heard that too, and I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. special, right? And I was like, okay. Um, because, you know, I, I, the Titan has a different computer voice, right? It, it has a different computer voice. And I, and I, th- and I even read an article, like, earlier during this season that said this, you know, it needs to happen, right? We can't just keep recycling old bits of Major Barrett's voice that they have recorded and Franken cutting them together, right? It, it's time for a new voice. But like Major Barrett, the voice of the compute Major Barrett Roddenberry, the voice of the computer, that's pretty that's that's pretty iconic in in Star Trek. And it was really it was cool to hear it again. It was. Um I I I was just a mess. In like these final seven minutes of the episode, I was just a complete mess. And then um, Picard, like I just love what Picard says, like I um, I reluctantly accept my field uh, demotion um, to captain because like com- you know the computer says like Captain Jean Luc Picard. Um, so yeah, and um, you know this whole piece about uh, I can't ask you guys to I don't really want to ask you guys to go into danger again. And Picard, and I love what Riker says. We're the crew of the Enterprise. Like, there's nothing we can't do. Like, where you go, we go. God almighty. (laughs) And Data goes up there. Hello, chair. (laughs) Are we sure that it's not connected? (laughs) (laughs) No, but to see everybody take their positions, right? Picard in the center seat. Riker to his right, and he calls him yep. number one. Right, you're right, number and one. And then even when Data sits at his old station, just like him spinning around, I was like, oh my gosh, I never knew I missed that so much. Yeah. And we get, like, season one, too, because Jordan yeah, takes the helm. Right, and Worf is up there at his tactical station, and... Dr. Crusher really didn't have a bridge no. seat, right? But she's just she's behind mm-hmm. Worf up there. It was pretty cool, and he just does the and does the engage. Mm-hmm. Which says make it so and engage, like. Yeah, he gets he gets number one. Make it so and engage. <laughs> all, all I need now is them to show up in their TNG uniforms or their movie uniforms, and man, I'll be a friggin' puddle. <laughs> Golly. And we're headed we're headed back to yes, the solar system. Next time on Star Trek Picard. Yeah. We wow. We got through the whole thing. Um I don't I have no idea what to expect, uh, apart from you know, like probably the Enterprise D getting beaten up pretty hard, but um, I'm expecting there to be some really good moments. I, I mean, I, I, I hope against hope that there are some amazing moments in this series finale that comes next time. It feels like there's a lot we gotta do. I don't, I don't have a running time. I don't know if it's gonna be like a 
like a 60 plus minute episode, but it feels like there's a lot we got to do in just Pardon one me. episode. Where I feel like if you wanted 10 episodes, could have sped up the pace a little bit in the beginning so you don't have to maybe go so yeah. fast at the end. Part of me hopes that this next episode is 60 plus. Like, I'd be okay with like, I don't know, like a 70, 75 minute episode personally. I um, mean, especially with it being the series mm-hmm. finale. I mean, come on. Yeah. We're used series finales are normally mm-hmm. double episodes. Let's right. They're let's all double episodes. They're all make double episodes. Episode. Let's do it. Why not? Let's make it let's an make hour it four and thirty. Hours. Let's go Return of the King mm-hmm. on this. Ah, well, well, that's ah, <laughs> we get the director's <laughs> cut. <laughs> oh man, Eric. Any final thoughts or comments or whatever before we? I mean. I guess I I don't know like so the grand plan has been revealed here right the changelings and the Borg were working to it's not the Dominion and the Borg it's just this rogue faction of changelings from what I understand right not the whole Dominion because the Dominion still exists like they still control part of the ga- their area of the Gamma Quadrant they're still there um, so the changelings and the Borg have been working together and the grand plan was for the changelings to steal Picard's body so they could do something to the transporters to assimilate Starfleet. Right? And this is the Borg. They want to assimilate as much as they can and get all this technology. Okay. But what do the changelings get out of this? Is it just revenge against the Federation and, hey, now all you Federation people are Borg? I, it, I'm just curious, what do the changelings get out of this other than, hey, now you're all Borg. That's our revenge. That's a great question. Maybe it is like a we're still pissed at you type of thing. So, yeah, maybe it's you infected us, so we're going to facilitate a way in which we can infect you. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. We will see. We'll, see. we'll, f- we'll next find time out next on week. Star Trek Picard. For the last time on oh, Star Trek Picard. Man. Too soon, too soon. All right. Well, let's move into the Delta. So, um, how would you say that the different divisions of Starfleet were represented um, in this particular episode, my man? <laughs> well, we have some command, yeah. right? Like. Picard is, he's, you know, he's, hey, we got to, we got to, I'm making a decision, right, to, to try and, like, subdue Jack, right? I made it just, even though, I, you know, I had to be told by somebody, but I made the decision, and it's the right decision to try to lock him up, so to speak. Picard makes this decision, hey, even if it's, even if it's bad, we have to go to the soul system to try to warn people, right? It's the only, it's the only chance we get. He makes that decision. Um, I mean, Shaw, I like Shaw there in the, in the moment, you know, saying I'm in command and I want to try to save my people from this. And I know it was a little moment, but like stun only, right? I, I think that's a, that's part of command, right? Like, trying to to save your your crew um i'm comfortable giving it command as far as like science i guess 
you know, Data and Jordy working together to figure out what was taken from Picard and done to the tra- and and Beverly there. That's science, right? It was science to set it up, and it's science for them to be able to figure out, you know, what happened, what mm-hmm. was done to Picard, what was in his body, and 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 there. I guess you could say like the fleet and fleet activation mode is an operational thing, right? As much as I think it's a terrible idea, like it's 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 a thing that required a lot of operations to yeah. do, right? I mean, I guess I, I I think you're seeing all of these things. I don't know if they're like as prominent or as strong. I think we said this even last week. The, all three of the things are there. I don't know if they're as prominent or as done as well as they should be. But I'm comfortable giving pieces of the mm-hmm. stuff out there. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I think the the one I gravitate to, gravitate to the most is is science. Um, again, going back, I gotta, I gotta speak for my people, like in the mental health world, like talking about um, exploring things and different types of therapeutic techniques, interventions that you can use, and seeing, um, seeing that applied on screen with uh, Troy and uh, Jack. That's there's that, and then you know, reinforcing the science piece is the DNA aspect. And using DNA to um, um, have an insidious um, takeover of of an entire demographic. The demographic being Starfleet, and the sub grouping being, you know, folks 24 years of age and younger. So science is um, 100% there for me. Um, operations. Um, I do see. I, I will agree with the. The, the fleet operation mode but the thing that um, we don't know 100% or not if Prodigy is in some kind of alternate timeline or not but like this is it seems like a lot like how Prodigy ended you know like with um, both the Valnacott thing and then even like going to um, uh, yeah well mainly, mainly, mainly the Valnacott uh, living consciousness thing um, like you'd think if this was in the same timeline that they would have learned from that thing just, you know, a decade and a half earlier, basically. Um, but I think the the main thing here is we know how great of an engineer Geordi is. And yeah, he's in charge of a fleet museum. But dang, he restored a starship by himself potentially <laughs> holy crap i'm sure he had some help i'm sure yeah this is not tom paris building a hot rod in, in the holodeck no he just so happens to have the enterprise d in bay 12 i mean come on now yeah he i mean cisco built the whole ship True. from scratch solar sail right there yeah in a cargo bay at least it's not gibbs building a boat in a basement how do you get it out didn't you, you got to watch season episode season nineteen? They okay. tell you how he got it out. Okay, cool. Okay, they do. Uh, There's an episode in season okay. nineteen, or maybe at the very end of season okay. eighteen, where right. they show you how That's he fine. got it out. That's fine. Um, 
<laughs> so there's that, and then I, I'll, I'll agree with, like, with the the command piece too, like both with um, Shaw and I think even with um, Picard, like even stepping up, um, like with his old crew, and even like trying to um, get things communicated even to Shelby. I think it it to me it feels like it's more of a reach with command compared to the other two, um, but it's it's all there for me so all right let's roll into um to the evaluation scale of one to ten one being a dumpster fire ten being absolutely amazing how do we rate this episode do you want me to go first or do you want to go first okay you can go first oh man i feel like you always go last i feel like you always go last i want to hear i want to oh, hear oh crap this. do you know what i'm going to rate this I have no idea, but I want to, I want to hear it. I am excited to hear what you have to say. <laughs> okay. So I don't know if I'm going to be anywhere near as articulate and well-spoken as our dear Lieutenant Commander David usually is, but I will take a stab at it. So this episode, um, I think, is what... It is one of like a few things that we have been waiting for, um, not just this season, but I think in some ways the entirety of the Picard series. And while there is, um, there's a lot of movement, I think, at times, um, and there is kind of like some hurrying up and waiting at times also. Um, but like we we get the the reveal finally of what's going on with Jack and there's some degree of satisfaction for that with me um, there's um, the reveal that we have um, the Alice Krieg board queen that's back in play or something some amalgamation of her at least um, we uh, it, it's kind of it's still a mixed bag for me in a way about the Eremotic syndrome, but knowing that it wasn't Eremotic syndrome, that it was just a Borg thing, um, all these things like it, it's feeling very satisfying to me. Um, and um, not only that, but like seeing and hearing like some of my theories kind of pay out, pay off, whatever, um, like with the transporter thing being a case. Um, the the way that we're using the different divisions to kind of work together, the way that um, we're having some callbacks, just the beauty and the majesty of the Enterprise F um, coming out of space dock. Um, gosh, man. <clears throat> um, this entire episode, I know that I, um, I sent uh, a text to you guys and uh, <clears throat> I said, uh, what did I say? I said, guys, get ready for one heck of an episode. Um, also, make sure you replicate some tissues um, earlier today. And that, I, that, that still sticks. Like, even re-watching parts of the episode um, uh, prior to recording this, um, I feel way more connected to like Sydney than I do Alondra, but it's also because we spent more time with Sydney. Um, but like seeing Sydney turn, I was like, Oh God, no, 
No, no, no, no, no. Don't do that to my girl. Um, and then just seeing the big reveal of the Enterprise D at the very end. I know it's fan service, and I ain't even mad at it. Um, and just seeing everything turn on, like being transported back to like what brought me into Trek, and I think the the cherry on top of all of it was hearing uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry as the computer voice. Um, I think this episode does a phenomenal job of balancing a good, healthy amount of fan service, like giving the fans what they want, um, but also making it smart. And that this, I really hope you're not going to kick back on me on this one, Eric, but I really feel like this episode has been smart. Like this is like in, in the thoughtfulness of how we're using counseling, how we're using medical science, how we're, we're using even some degree of engineering and exp, exp, um, like the, the differences between um, transmitting and receiving, like with Locutus and Vox, right? With the, the Borg being in play, whether they've been overused or not, that's a different discussion, I think. But like this, this is like, there might have been a little bit more action in terms of like, you know, what we might have seen like from like the movies, uh, like First Contact, for example. But to me, this just feels like a really smart episode. It gives you the flair. It gives you the thinking. Um, everyone working together and like, you know, doing their strengths and then just saying like, hey, we're here for each other, including your kids. Um, and like, we're going to go do what happens regardless of what the, the outcome is going to be. So um, for all that being said, um, my rating, and at this point it's probably no surprise, and I'm not going to apologize for it, 10. So with that... Oh, okay. Eric, okay. you're up. I, 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 did not, I did not see a 10. Um... I'm, I hear you, Chase. I hear you. You are hurt. Thanks, buddy. Right? I, and I want to respond to some of the things that you said. This this is a smart episode. It, it absolutely feels smart. It feels like, you know, everybody has a role. Everybody has a job. We're using science. We're trying. You know, we're going into an impossible situation. And, and there's hope that we can, we can reach somebody. There's hope that we can... We can fix this. There's hope that we can come to come to something and stop what's happening. Um, I hear what you're saying about this episode and this season feeling like what people wanted, right? They wanted to get the band back together, as the phrase goes. Sure. They wanted the crew together. But at the same time... That's not what this show was supposed to be. Right? From the like from the very beginning when it was announced Star Trek Picard, a new show starring Patrick Stewart, you know, reviving the character. We were told this show is not the next generation season 8. That's not what this show is. This show is something different. But this season, that's what we've gotten. We've gotten the next generation season eight. We've gotten a follow up to 
to D Space Nine. Um, you, we've brought back all of these characters, and I remember there's this interview that Patrick Stewart gave, and in he said, when I first was, yes, yes, when he first said yes, I'm doing this, I'm doing this show, where I'm bringing back the character. He made sure he took he took Jonathan Frakes, he took LeVar Burton, he took Brent Spiner. He might have taken somebody else out to dinner. I can't remember all the people he said. But he told he took them all out to dinner and he said, I am coming back to Star Trek. I am doing Jean-Luc Picard. None of you are going to be in this show because that's not what this show is about. But yet over the course and maybe this is not the time to talk about this maybe this is like a retrospective to talk about this but over the course of the show we've we've totally abandoned the idea of it not being the you know the next generation season we've pushed all of the new characters that we've made we said basically all you characters suck like even like Rafi is the only character still around and she was in what 20 seconds of this episode yeah Right. And and I'm saying like at, in, even in episode one of this season, we brought, you know, Picard. He, he got a distress call. And the first thing he does is call Will Riker and says, Will, I need your help. And Will comes. But in season one, when he, he needs a crew, he needs a ship, he, he needs people that will help him. And and Jaban is there and is like, call Jordy, call Worf. And he's like... I can't do that because I know they would come and run, but I can't do that. But it's like now he, as soon as he needs help, he calls these people. And and so I feel like we've moved away from what this show was supposed to be. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love, I loved, I've loved seeing Will Riker this entire season. God dang, having Worf back <laughs> has been, yeah. been awesome. And this new, this new pacifist, I'm working <laughs> on myself, Worf. Even though I feel like I want more of him, right? I want more Worf. Like, getting Dr. Crusher back. And and Marina Sirtis is killing it as, like, yeah. crushing it as Deanna Troy in in her ep- in the episode of Nepenthe in season one and all everything she's been in. Now she's 100%. crushing it way better than she ever was during the next generation right and seeing this data and Jordy like renew their bond and renew their friendship and the moment they had last episode and the episode before that it's been great and I love it and god dang it when they walked yep. onto the bridge of the of the enterprise if my little heart didn't like it didn't almost burst from excitement and joy so I'm so conflicted about what I'm seeing because I love it, but at the same time, it's not supposed to be here, if that makes sense. And I feel like I was if I went first, I was going to tell you, I was going to say, Chase, slow your roll. <laughs> slow your roll. Because, and I, I, I saw you doing that when we did Strange New Worlds with Children of the Comet. I was like... Chase, I know what you're about to do. <laughs> slow your roll. And I got you to slow your roll a little bit because you originally <laughs> rated a little lower than what you wanted to. And I was like, yeah, this episode is is damn near perfect, Children of the Comet. And it is. Um, but it's like, but it came on it came off the heels of things you weren't so excited about, which is why you wanted to boost its rating. And but then you but then you're like, we went and did a retrospect, you're like, 
slow your roll be darned i'm rating <laughs> it right. how i wanted to rate it <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you do you boo boo um but like i feel like you're 10 and and if you love that episode this much give it a 10 i'm not gonna tell you not to but i also feel like that that rating is boosted by nostalgia and nostalgia alone isn't enough isn't enough for me right nostalgia is a powerful emotion right but nostalgia can't be enough for that high of a rating for me right but gosh darn it if i didn't enjoy watching this episode like a lot and so i'm struggling here like hell i I don't i mean i i want to give things tens right but at the same time i don't want to give things tens because like you're heaping too much you're you're heaping too much praise on things and i think ten should be reserved for like the greatest of the great whatever that means (sighs) okay 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 (laughs) I'm going to give this the highest rating I've given any episode this season. Okay. I will do that. Okay. And I'm going to give it a nine. A flat nine. Okay. Okay. Because I think I want to temper the nostalgia. And I want to acknowledge that this is this is not what the show is okay. supposed to be. Okay. But I love it. That's fine. And, and 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 also because I think there was too much going on. I think there was probably a few too much stuff going on that we could have gotten some things out of. Like the Shaw death just got like, got like brushed over, I feel like. When that should I feel like that should have been sure. more of a moment, right? And so I do think there's a little sure. bit too much going on. One thing to um, – I don't remember if you've seen this or come across it. Um, I'll have to try and find it if I need to, but – um, <clears throat> there was a um, uh, a conversation I want to say that was was ongoing about the trajectory of Picard, like where he was and where they wanted him to be. And part of I think part of what um, the change that got us from just a Picard focus to um, a smoking the bandit get the gang back together kind of thing like we have with this season is changes in showrunners um like from the beginning like we we lost our showrunner i think like halfway through to the end of of season one and then that's where the changes happen and like terry metallis had like some control not 100 percent control but some control in season two and now full control in season three um except for you know alex kurtzman or whatever but um, part of that was like we, we need to see where he's at like we need to explore where he's at here in this like twilight of his life basically um, and he needs to we need to get him to go on this journey to earn I think is kind of how they were putting it this like starship captain admiral uh, of course he's not going to be the same one like same kind of person that you know is sitting in the center seat, but um, getting him back out into space, like he needs to earn that, and like that was, I think that was part of like the journey, and kind of how they were framing it from like that interview or something that I read, um, to why we now have what we have for season three of Picard. If that helps at all, Eric, I don't know. 
No, I mean, I get different showrunners. Like, you want to take the show in different directions. And, and we're exploring different... We're, you know, he's in a different place now than he was in, in, in his life and than he was in season one. So it makes sense that, you know, he didn't want to involve his old crew then, but now he wants to involve them now because of where he is and the experience. Right, and, like, even through. with what happened... Um, you know, with him becoming an admiral, like leaving the Enterprise E, becoming an admiral, and then trying to bluff them into, like what we saw like in that flashback in season one, um, like bluff them with a resignation. They're like, all right, fine, we'll accept it. And like just seeing how reclusive, you know, how he turns inward and part of the journey of like season one and two has been him opening up to people more. Um, I think, again, that just kind of speaks to uh, recognizing that relationships are important, especially like we saw in the exploration of season two, regardless of what we think about that that season, like that relationships are important. And I think that's gotten him to the, it's, yeah, gotten him to this place where he's like, maybe I should really reconnect with these people that are meaningful to me, right? Like the Wills and the Beverlys, the Deannas, the Wharfs of my life. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Well, that's that's it we evaluate this thing and we have one more episode left good gravy do we have one episode left um of this series and um we'll see what happens we will see what happens but um before we get out of here um we have to talk about the most important part of the show my dude and that of course is the twitter poll the twitter poll all right eric so um i asked um this question i was trying you know like usually whenever i, I come up with twitter polls they they usually have something to do with the episodes um but that we're watching you know for our discussions but i'm like man i really don't want to like say something and like accidentally spoil it for someone so i'm like i need to do something without doing something so this was the question which famous voice would you prefer to have as a Star Trek computer voice. And the choices were Jeremy Irons, James Earl Jones, or Morgan Freeman. Okay, so I'm going to say right off the bat, I don't want it to be James Earl Jones. He's got his <laughs> own thing. Like, let him go. He's got his own computer voice that sure. he plays. Um, it might be kind of cool to have a computer with a British accent. I'm not gonna lie, like you know, like the Jeremy Irons in there. Um, Morgan Freeman. Do you love Morgan Freeman, right? I'm gonna go. I, Jeremy Irons is not the answer, but okay. that's where I'm gonna go. That's my right. choice. I just think that would be very interesting. He's got a very Jeremy unique Irons, yeah. voice. Yes, yes, also he does. The voice of Scar. Yes, he yeah. he was the voice of Scar and um, Alfred at one point also. So, all right. Yeah. So let's go to the results. So coming in in last place with zero percent of the vote, he's not my daddy, James Earl Jones. Good, good job, people. Recognize he's got <laughs> his own thing. All right. So. Coming in as our runner-up with one-third of the vote, 33.3% of the vote, J. 
Jeremy Irons, which means our winner with 66.7% of the vote, Morgan Freeman. Wow! Yeah, I mean, I kind of expected that. Well, Eric, that's it. Um, thanks, as always, for chatting with me and talking Trek. It's always a pleasure. So... Yeah, yeah thank you so uh, everyone out there in listener land what did you think of this episode uh, would, did you give it a 10 did you give it 11 did you give it a 12 um, just despite um, everyone else including IMDB um, or are you kind of tempering your results right like you're, are you kind of rating this like at an 8 or a 9 or something uh, we'd love to hear what you think of this this particular episode uh, what was your favorite moment from this episode let us know uh, connect with us at trtvpod.com where you can listen to these episodes, of course. You can also learn about us. You can share ideas for shows, uh, things of that nature. Um, you can also just email us directly, trtvpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us a voice line transmission, 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit uh, before we go into fleet formation mode. So uh, please be quick before we can't control ourselves. Um, other than that, if you want to mail us something... Um, I don't know, like the Enterprise D plaque. That'd be great. Uh, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so very much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so. Mm-hmm.